0: Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you.
2: We're talking all things gravel for our new seven-part podcast series here on Bike Radar, hosted by yours truly, Catherine Moore. From getting kitted out with the best gear for you, to route planning, dipping your toes into gravel racing and simply why we love hitting the path less travelled, we've got a mega panel of special guests and in-house experts lined up for you. We're back for our second episode in our gravel series, this time tackling what can seem like a really tough question, how to choose the best gravel bike for you. I'm joined by two of our gravelliest bike testers, Cycling Plus's Warren Rossiter, or Was, and Bikeradar.com's Jack Luke. Between them, I'd be willing to bet that they've swung a leg over almost every gravel bike going, from the new generation of bling aero gravel super bikes to some really rather retro niche builds. Thank you both for joining me today.
0: Thank you very much, Catherine. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Looking forward to talking through some uh, dirty business, as it were. (laughs) (laughs)
2: So I think there's this like overwhelming number of gravel bikes on the market these days with offerings from pretty much every bike manufacturer going, plus some really niche brands and even custom frame builders. But why don't we just start in the beginning? Like what even is a gravel bike?
1: Oh, that's a very tricky question. No, it's not. A gravel bike is in essence, I think closer to a road bike with fat tires, more relaxed geometry and greater capability built into the frame sets, but essentially, you know, for those who've maybe never seen one before, it is essentially a road bike plus some bigger tires. Would you agree with that assessment, Warren,
0: at the basic level? At the very, yeah, basic level, um, yeah, it's a, a drop bar bike made to go off road.
2: Nice, nice. So there's all of these different bikes available, and if somebody's thinking that now is the time to, to take the plunge and buy a gravel bike for the first time, whether that's new or secondhand or whatever, where do you even start? Because there's so many different things to think about. Where would you recommend even starting to think about which bike's best for you?
1: I think as with any discipline in cycling, we've seen uh, increased specificity across the gravel genre Mm. and assessing realistically what it is you want to do with a gravel bike is the best, best place to start. You know, we have very very uncompromising go fast gravel bikes which have aero influences coming across the road all the way to pseudo mountain bikes that you know are perfect for multi-day off-road expeditions and really assessing what you want to do with a bike is probably the best place to start because while versatility is never a bad thing specificity also isn't a bad thing necessarily if you want to just smash about and go fast um what would you say, Warren, if you were picking a gravel bike for yourself for the first time, what kind of flavour would you go for?
0: Well, I think um, I tend to err uh, towards bikes that are either very capable and technical stuff mm-hmm. or are stripped down and fast. Mm-hmm. Just because of the simple, you know, the sort of gravel riding I do, I, you know, um, unlike you you two, I've got no interest in sleeping in ditches. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm of an age and uh, where if I'm going to do a multi-day tour, I just pick nice hotels. I like the idea of hot meals yeah. and, and nice beds. Fair enough, and a, and a bar, I think, is the, <laughs> a, a, a big element. So, you know, when but personally to me, it's like I'm I'm not that interested in fixtures mm-hmm. and fittings, so I can take my lifetime, my my life on my back, sort of thing. I I much more uh, towards the sort of bikes we see from the likes of Cervelo or Three T, or where they're a bit stripped down, they're quite fast, they're capable on road as well as off. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm just you know going down to play in the woods, then. Some of the new school bikes that are introduced in suspension, um, I'm uh, flirting with quite heavily, I would say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and how about you, Catherine? What kind of flavour of gravel bike tickles your pickle?
2: I think, remembering back to my first gravel bike, it was very much middle of the road, sort of could go either way, like pretty capable off-road, you could fit some pretty wide tyres, which I think is the main thing uh, when it comes to how much gnar you can get on your gravel bike, (laughs) but also wasn't too far from road geometry either. And I think that's a really good place to start for a lot of people because then, you know, if a couple of years down the line and you decide that actually you only want to tackle really, really technical trails or you only want to ride quite fine gravel, then you can perhaps adapt from the centre point. Whereas um, I remember the first time I rode 650B wheels, with, I think they were 2.1 or 2.2 inch WTB Rangers. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is a drag (laughs) compared to uh, road riding. So yeah, I'd probably be sensible and plump somewhere in the middle ground.
1: Middle ground is not necessarily always the worst place to be, particularly if you're buying your very, very first gravel bike. I would say that, you know, the majority of our reviews on site, while maybe the last 12 months, 18 months have seen a bit of a trend towards go fast gravel bikes Mm. the majority of stuff we tend to touch is more in that middle ground and every manufacturer offers something along those lines so yes i think uh, any opportunity you have as well to ride these bikes is always a good thing as well because
2: absolutely particularly
1: with um geometry wise there is actually compared to road bikes much greater differences between different gravel bikes than road bikes per se um Mm. where at the gnarlier end, you see very mountain bike-like geometry. I know, Warren, you've just ridden the the Cairn Brave, an electric gravel bike, which is pretty much a mountain bike. Uh, and then at the other end, you know, you get things like the, say, like the Aspero, which is you know, not the most aggressive geometry in the world, but nonetheless more road-like than uh, something
0: else. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the asparo has got much more in common with Cervelo's R3 than it has Anything approaching a mountain bike.
1: Exactly. Mm. So, any opportunity you have to ride these on terrain, ideally close to what your local riding looks like, I think is where I would start. And perhaps, Catherine, you're going to segue beautifully into discussing uh, local terrain and the origins of gravel ra- riding, maybe?
2: well i was actually going to pick up on what you said there about geometry mm. and you're saying more analogous to mountain bike or more like road like what are the specific things when we're looking at the geometry of a gravel bike um warren you're probably a good one to answer this what are the different things that make it more capable for one thing or another
0: okay well, and it's sort of yeah it's sort of mainly it's dependent really on 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 the kind of the sub genres of, of gravel as it were when you when we're talking about ones that are more approaching the kind of mountain bike thing you're talking about uh long front center a slackened head angle plenty of trail and and effectively what that means is it just makes the front end of the bike much more stable when you're riding over really rough stuff so if your are if your gravel terrain is more woodsy and rooty um rather than you know fine fine grain gravel um that's probably something to look look towards because the the bike will just track straight when when the uh, the ground doesn't want you to go straight. So you know, eff- eff- effectively, it's um, a gravel bike is sl- a bit of a slacker head angle, more trail, so which slows, stabilizes the steering, um, a bit more stack, so you're sitting a little bit more upright um and a little bit shorter reach which again just makes the bike which seems counterproductive when you're talking about a road bike if you talk about a road bike with a tall stack and a short reach um you don't talk about it being nimble but it's almost like reverse is true when it comes to a gravel bike a kind of shorter reach shorter reach taller stack makes the bike feel more controllable when you know when the when the terrain is bouncing you offline all the time whereas that sort of generally on the road makes for a bike that can be again stable but not nimble. So it's not the sort of bike you um, that feels great to uh, go down fast, technical road distance, as it were. It feels a little bit kind of understeery.
1: And then kind of at the faster end of the spectrum, you tend to see, much like on road bikes, lower stack, maybe a slightly steeper seat angle to put your hips a bit further over the bottom bracket, maybe a steeper head angle, but still compared to a road bike, it will be, you know, comparatively slack, but then shorter trail as well, just to kind of speed up the handling. Um more broadly looking at the frame as well, you, you know, on, for example, the Aspero we mentioned there, it's not unusual now to see integrated cables, much as we do on road bikes now these days. You'll tend to see less mounts, you know, where do-all gravel bikes will be festooned with barnacle-like uh, <laughs> protrusions across Barnacles, it. that's or, great. Uh, one of my, my, my favourites was describing a, a gravel bike with lots of mounts as being like a flute I was very pleased. A with
2: flute. That. Oh, oh, that's great! I love um, the bicycle pubes is one which was zits.
1: Zits, yes. Covered in gravel zits. zits.
2: But I, I like the flute, flute or barnacles. That's fabulous. Thank
1: you, carbuncle. If you really want to be uh, un, unforgiving. But anyway, um, <laughs> oh, on go fast gravel bikes, you know, you might not even see mudguard mounts. Much as I would have bemoan such mm. a thing.
2: R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> but yeah, you know,
1: they are very much like. Yeah, aero road bikes almost these days. And although you may scoff at the thought of an aero gravel bike, like even at lower speeds over the course of, say, a 200-mile race or even a 200-kilometer race, all this stuff adds up. And if you're at the spicy end of the sport, you know, riding in big groups at a high speed isn't unusual. Though for the likes of me, I can't say I've ever experienced riding in a group at a spicy pace in a gravel race, but there you go.
2: (laughs) Brilliant. Um, And there's one aspect, I don't know if it, I think it would fit in geometry that we haven't mentioned that I think is probably, for me at least, one of my most important aspects of a gravel bike and that's tyre clearance because I am a total tyre nerd. So how would that vary across the sort of different subgenres of gravel bikes?
0: Again, it's sort of dependent on, on not only whether it's a fast gravel bike or it's built for more kind of technical terrain. Um, but also, weirdly, on the uh, on the age of the bike, because we're, mm. we're already seeing like this year, you know, uh, Cannondale have, have already revised the Topstone, even though it hasn't been around that long. And that's mainly just to incre- increase tyre clearance, because there has been a, an almost seismic shift away from dual wheel size use. You know, gravel bikes oh, yeah. of a couple of years ago, it was all about. You've got your seven hundred C wheel, you put your narrower tire on if you want to go fast, and then you drop down to a six fifty B and put your big fat tires on for when you're riding in um, in the mud or you know, or or the loose stuff. And and most of the new designs now have uh moving away from the dual wheel size thing and just giving you much more clearance on the seven hundred C. So
2: That's th- interesting, isn't it? Do you think that's because more bikes are coming out that are more specific to sort of either end of the gravel spectrum, if you like?
1: I think it's probably an assessment of really like how people use bikes. Like personally, I can think of one occasion where I swapped my on one gravel bike between 700C to 650. It's not like a a regular thing that I would do and we have access to all this kind of stuff. So I wonder if it's just sort of an honest assessment of how the buying public use bikes. I think
0: you probably, yeah, I think it's probably something in that. You know, I'm sort of nerdy enough that I do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like my one of my, one of my gravel bikes. I have more than one gravel bike. Um, one of my, my 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 GT grade in the winter, I drop 650b wheels onto that with a mud tire, because um, I can get you know because I, I, around me, if I'm not up on on the hard packed plane, um, all the byways and bridleways around me are heavily trafficked by horses, so they're, oh, yes. they're basically just bogs. And a 700c mm-hmm. wheel just won't roll, so you just go for a very long walk. Um, so I've I dropped down to 650b with a mud tire on it in the winter on that and revert to 700 cs in the summer but uh, you know i can see that um, not everybody would be yes that's th- thus inclined yes yeah.
1: particularly not everyone's got a garage quite like you warren which i could great <laughs> plug if you would like to see warren did an excellent feature on the site uh got about a year and a half ago now but look up warren's garage on BikeRadar.com. it
0: will not disappoint i promise <laughs> the sad thing is it's only one of my carriages yes
2: Oh, my goodness. So
0: it's less, <laughs> it's less than half of my bikes.
1: Problem. I think on the, uh, yeah, with the, the, the age thing is really interesting. And, you know, I would personally, if I was buying a gravel bike, I would be ruling out ones which didn't have generous clearances. Because even at the faster end of the spectrum, you know, extra tire clearance doesn't really cost you anything. You know, it doesn't cost you anything in terms of compromise, in terms of bike design, really. Um, having a basic big cavernous fork crown isn't the end of the world, even on a go-fast bike. So it is one of the reasons I'd be going for a modern gravel bike rather than an older one.
2: But yeah, absolutely. again,
1: sort of assessing the terrain you're riding on is really important as well, where, you know, you say, you know, very, very rough, horrible, boggy bridleways are very um, typical of gravel riding in the southwest. But if you're listening in from sunny Colorado, that would be totally <laughs> foreign as a concept to you. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, our interpretation of gravel in the UK is definitely different to elsewhere in the world. And it's also probably one of the reasons why we always bemoan tyre choice in nearly every single review we write. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? Because, like, it wasn't all that long ago when, like, the fixed gear scene was really hot and everyone lusted over these teeny Mm. tiny clearances in the forks and exactly how, you know... Narrow that was, and now I see a really chunky, well-built gravel fort with loads of clearance. I'm like, four.
1: Wow, look at that.
2: That's nice. <laughs> Think about how much tire I could get in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On the subject of tires, Catherine, you did a recently did a gravel tire group test for us, didn't you? And uh, I did. And the podcast. What was, your, what was your favorite?
2: Oh my goodness. That is a really tricky question because as we've been saying, it's all so specific to what you're riding, etc. One brand stood out for me in terms of being the easiest to fit. And I know that, um, especially if you're new to tubeless, then sort of taking one element of the faff out of fitting mm-hmm. uh, is definitely a plus. I found that the Terra Veil vale tyres and some of the Pirellis as well actually fitted just with a track pump, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, there were so many on test. I would really struggle to pick out a favourite. Um, I won't all I can say spot. is go and check it out for yourself and see, you know, what might work best for your local terrain and conditions as well. Cause summer and winter tires, I think are two completely separate entities mm-hmm. for me, at least I'll, I'll sort of stick with a 700 C wheel year round, but switch out different treads. Yeah. And it also helps you to remember to top up your tubeless ah, fluid, yes <laughs> um, which my friend found out the hardware the other day. <laughs> so, um. Coming back to gravel bikes, I think one of the really fascinating things about them, apart from the fact that they're, you know, generally quite new, and as we've already mentioned, are getting revised all the time and updated and developed, is the breadth of frame materials on offer. So quite unlike road, you know, you can choose from carbon fiber, alloy, steel, titanium. How would you suggest somebody looks at how to choose their first gravel bike or an upgrade based on these different materials?
0: I think uh, one of the main kind of deciding factor on frame material usually is is budget mm. so you know if you're if you're looking to get into gravel with the the least outlay then I'd probably say um looking at there are some great alloy offerings out there you know really really exceptional and and some really good um cheap steel as well yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. you know thinking in you know case in point but like Boardman's alloy adV is a fabulously accomplished bike for not much money canyons alloy offerings of their their gravel range are exceptional and Marin do some exceptionally good fun bikes for for very little i think it was the casio uh, Nicasio, yeah, Nicacio, yeah they're, they're like 800 pounds that i tested and i was just blown away at how much fun it was it was uh <laughs> it was it was like riding a it's like riding an old school mountain bike but um but I just whole hate it It's quite that.
1: interesting. At the at the lower end, as you say, steel and alloy are pretty much your choices with with gravel bikes. On the roadside, it's kind of different where it's all alloy. There are, of course, cheaper steel bikes, but in the mainstream sense, steel is actually a little bit more common on uh, gravel bikes. Personally, I like the ride of a steel gravel bike um, with the right fork. They're very pliant and comfortable and they take lots of abuse and they tend to be quite good value for money. But as you say, sort of alloy... Um, alloy at that end where with fatter tyres building in compliance isn't quite as critical as one might say on the road yeah. but as you move up the the kind of spec range of course carbon and titanium and all sorts of exotic materials come into it but at the, at the lower end your choice is pretty much between steel and alloy what do you ride at the minute Catherine what's your uh, personal gravel bike of choice and what is it made of
2: well I'm very lucky to have a gorgeous steel gravel bike not at the cheaper end of the spectrum it's interesting what was said there about you know cheap steel and it's the same with every material there's a range there's going to be cheaper alternatives and as you see in road bikes much more expensive for example like a really high-end carbon fiber layup is gonna have completely different qualities to an entry-level carbon frame so I have a custom built um, steel gravel bike which I think the first thing when people think about a lot of people think steel is just like heavy but that can really be altered if you go for something at a really high quality. Um, again, it's, a, it's the same across all materials. And I just love how, not only how the ride feel is, but I just know that it's really durable. So if I'm, uh, obviously haven't been very adventurous lately, but if I am, if I find myself in, you know, Morocco or in South America or anywhere in the world, like, you know that if something does fail, you literally just need to find, like a car garage with a welder or something and you would be able to fix your bike or at least have a fighting chance of being able to you know limp around whereas with some other materials that's just not possible so I like that I think that steel is quite popular in the gravel um, world because a lot of people are excited about loading up with bags and sort of maybe not riding around the whole world but going on some adventures
1: yes uh, yeah yeah I am um... Maybe I fall into the trap of just worrying too much, By I I appreciate a steel bike for the same reason. I can't say I've ever found myself in the far-flung part of the world with a broken bike, but what if I do one day?
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, like having said that, I've been really lucky to test a few gravel bikes as well and some carbon fibre like the Canyon Grizzle that came out last year. Fabulous bike. Uh, still boasted lots of zits or barnacles or was a great flute or whatever you want to call it um for loading up with stuff um you know just because something is carbon fiber doesn't mean that you can't adventure on it i'd just perhaps look into the total system weight um that that bike is spec to carry uh to make sure that if you do plan on loading up with your bags and your own body weight etc that you don't anticipate going over that limit nice so so that's frame materials but then Digging deeper into the specs of these bikes, if you've perhaps got a few different ones that are on your shortlist, what other things do you need to take account of, like gearing, for example? Gearing is a
1: really red hot question in gravel bikes, where I would say more so than ever, we're seeing more and more bikes specced with one by drivetrains. So that's a drivetrain with only one ring at the front and typically a wide range cassette at the back. Historically, coming from cyclocross backgrounds, like way, way back when gravel bikes sort of hit the mainstream, 2x was still fairly prevalent and common with maybe not the most optimized gearing. But the likes of SRAM sort of led the way with one uh, by specific gravel group sets. And now it's absolutely the case with their uh, Explore mm-hmm. range. But even Shimano side, you know, 1x is, is available, though with less options from GR- GRX. Typically speaking, with most manufacturers, you'll be limited to whatever they offer. You know, you're not going to get a choice between two by or one by with most builders. Um, and again, assessing what kind of riding you want to do will help decide what's right for you. Like personally, I'm a two by guy. I like being able to, oh. I like being able to dump a bunch of gears or a dump a bunch of gear inches rather, uh, shifting into the inner ring, but also just the wider range it gives you. Or potentially wider range, I should say. It gives you with smaller steps on the road, but maybe I'm just a little bit of a curmudgeon in that sense. How about you, Warren? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I mean, I, I I do run both, but I quite like one by. I mean, back when when one by when SRAM were did the original mechanical force one was kind of my first exposure to that that kind of one by system. Riding it out in you know dry dusty California and just came Mm -hmm. away hugely 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 impressed with it but then I took a 3T Strada which was the road the one by road bike I took one of those to um, Australia for a couple of months when I was visiting family and literally rode it every single day in a rather lumpy part of Queensland and I thought it was fine yeah you know it was 11 speed and there were a few sort of significant jumps in it but it absolutely coped fine but now we've got SRAM's Explore, Shimano's GRX, although with GRX I will probably go 2x because Mm -hmm. I just don't think they've got all the range uh, uh, that they need. And obviously 13-speed Campag e-car. I mean uh, we're doing this as I'm kind of um, winding up bike of the year testing for this year and and there's been a good mix of gravel bikes with 2x and 1x and I haven't found myself feeling at a disadvantage with 1x over the 2x bikes especially now that you've got the 12-speed and the 13-speed and they're kind of uh, reorganisation of gearing, as it were. I think, you know, there's a couple of, there's a couple of bikes, that like there's one from Viello, which is more than light enough to be yeah. super fast on the road, and they only make one bike. Um, and then, but then the giant revolt advanced I've got is the two-by-GRX mm-hmm. Di2, and that's fabulous. But then, coming from a completely different space, I've also been testing a lot of endurance bikes, and BMC have got the Road Machine X1, which is a road bike, it's called a road machine. It's their endurance bike, <laughs> but it comes with big tire clearances, semi-treaded tires, and a one-by. Mm. And it's fabulous on the road, and it's more than capable of, of light gravel. So, although we're here talking about choosing a mm. gravel bike, now it's just, you know, we're seeing a lot of convergence between the kind of endurance bike space and the gravel bike space. Mm. If you take something, you know, I, I think the, the leaders in this were Trek with the Damani. Definitely. Definitely. You know, super big clearances, comes equipped with big tires. And it's so gravel capable, mm-hmm. to the point that you know you've you've obviously ridden the new checkpoint, very very good bike, but it's just like a Damani with even bigger clearances. Mm-hmm. It's 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 simply that you know, and, and so I, I you can kind of see that that all of these worlds are colliding and and, and coming together. Mm-hmm. So one way I think is the, the simplicity of it, the ease of use, the better chain retention. Mm-hmm are are, are all great I mean and providing you can find the gearing that suits you uh, I'm all for it I'm absolutely interesting
1: Catherine how about you
2: nice I'd go the same I'd Uh go one by but (laughs) if I'm allowed to air my gripe I think that bikes are are critically overgeared is that the right way so like I don't know if it's just me but around here the hills are steep and rocky and, you know, quite often rooty. And then I want to load up with bags. So pretty much every gravel bike I've ever ridden, if I've taken it on a trip, I've ended up switching out for the smallest chain ring that I can and, you know, maybe even increasing the the cassette size. So if that so, is it, something...
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds to me yeah. that um, we could throw another thing into the mix, which is obviously the uh, the mullet yes. drivetrain. Yes. I mean, I think um, yeah. one of the bikes I've been testing recently, the uh, BMC... URS LT which is their URS stands for unrestricted and LT means long travel although long travel no, it's exactly. not groundbreaking stuff not, on that bike is it's, it? it's not, like 20 <laughs> mil of travel 20, <laughs> 20 mil. Yeah. yeah 20 mil <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know compared with having no travel at all but that comes with a with a, a mullet drivetrain which effectively mm. means they mix they're mixing SRAM axis road shifters with uh, an eagle Basically, an eagle drivetrain, so that you get a thirty-eight tooth chainring, but on the back you've got a ten fifty-two. Yeah. So the gear range on that is is ridiculous. You know, you you mm. find yourself just pointing at a wall and going, "I reckon I could climb up that." It's, uh, I've got a low enough gear. You know, when your bottom gear is a thirty-eight fifty-two, it's ridiculously.
2: Yeah, that's definitely what I'd be more fa- in yeah. favor of. Yeah. I'm going to claim to be a trendsetter, <laughs> or at least an earlier doctor here, in that my first gravel bike had. Um, it was quite fancy. It had Shimano Di2 with, uh, it's It's had uh, single speed shifters, but with like climbing the buttons. TRP
1: ones with the funny buttons. Yeah, I know. Yeah,
2: ones, right? quite weird. Um, and then it had a sort of, I think it was FSA Gossamer um, single ring on the front. But then, and because it was Di2 and XT, so mountain bike spec rear derailleur, which meant I could have a really big cassette. And that was before the days of GRX. Um, and that's the setup that I adopted when I went on to my own sort of custom bike. And it's brilliant, uh, especially for bike packing and those sorts of things. So I think just because something is labeled as gravel, uh, like a gravel specific group set, doesn't mean that you can't sort of play with other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, mullet setups definitely an exciting one for, I think for it's people who want look, to tackle that, the steeper stuff.
0: Yeah, I think it's just something that a lot of people come from on the road. It, we, don't ever tend to think about your changing your gearing unless you're, a, mm. you know, unless you're a, a time trialist. Then, then you'll think about gearing. But for most of us, just it's you know, run what you're brung, and it's not mm. always. Mm. One of my own. Mm. I mean, one of my own gravel bikes. Um, I've got a Cannondale Slate, which I absolutely love. Just you know, I got it because it was basically when it came out, iconic it was bike now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, hardtail effectively because it had a, a carbon lefty fork on it. Six fifty B clearances aren't fantastic, but they're adequate. Um, but the gearing on that bike is a uh, 5236 with an 1128. On so Are funny. And you just, looking, what? Yeah. You oh, just yeah. go, what? what what were you thinking? That's
1: so <laughs> of the era, isn't it? I remember, sorry, we're getting totally distracted here, but I remember when, you know, endurance road bikes came out. It's like, wait till you see this. It's gone 1128 and a, you know, yeah. 5234. Oh, Whoa. Whoa, crazy. And just, it'd be unheard <laughs> of to see anything. Smaller than an eleven thirty on most bikes these days. Really, it's it's eleven thirty two. Anyway, yes,
0: and yeah, completely. Yeah, on that note, completely complete other distractions as well because we were talking about my garage. It just reminds me of my uh, my, my stock scenario, which again we were when we were doing the feature on the on the garage. I do ride it occasionally, like once or twice a year, on, on very nice days because it's a uh, a little bit, I guess, vintage early two yeah. thousands. And looking at the gearing on that, it's a fifty three forty two and an eleven eleven twenty three on the back. And I was looking at that bike going, I've ridden that with Stelvio. That was a ridiculous thing to do. And I remember it being very yeah, hard yeah. to do. And I was like,
1: Yeah, yeah I think yeah, I, I
2: think, think it's really fascinating. And I don't know if you guys have had the same or anybody listening to this, but like I almost exclusively rode gravel mm. for a couple of years, having come from a road cycling background. But then when I went back onto my road bike with a double and with much harder gearing, I really struggled because I was used to spinning so much more. Is that something that you uh, found or do you sort of effortlessly no, slip I, back it in? No, it tends to
1: be the other way for me where I tend to ride more road than anything else these days. And I go on a gravel bike and, I, you know, spinning up in a nice easy gear and you're like, damn, <laughs> this is chill. This is so much nicer <laughs> than sort of pushing away. Oh, it's the, you know, it's more natural riding at a high cadence. I think off-road it feels more natural. Mm. But... um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's a very distinct difference. George has, George Scott, our, our editor-in-chief, he has lots of thoughts on this. He's he's well, well in favour of easy gearing on road bikes. I believe there's a feature on the site mm. coming soon on the, the very subject. Um, but yes, to go very, very back briefly to your initial gripe, I do agree. I think bikes are overgeared. And, you know, I think most people would be better served by easy gearing with the option to go harder if you want if that makes sense you know with gravel bikes particularly with one by like why not put a smaller
0: chainring on yeah. i do think it, i do think it is changing i yeah. do i do think it is changing i think i think the main positive from that is that cycling is becoming so much more accessible to so many more people and whereas mm-hmm. you know i've been i've been doing this for a long time and and lots and lots of product managers within bike companies have a little bit of the toxic masculinity mm-hmm. about them so, they'll respect bikes for like the biggest, hardest gears because, <laughs> you know, that's the way you can, you know, show off to your mates, yeah. in front of your mates yeah. at your coffee stop, et cetera. You know, you can go, yeah, look at the gearing I'm pushing. It's like, nobody, yeah, cares. nobody cares. Look at the, look, nobody really cares. And <laughs> think of the, you know, think of the damage it's doing You need Yeah. <laughs> Just
2: give me the tiny chain ring. <laughs> Brilliant. I think you picked up on a really interesting thing there was when you're saying about, Demane and you know, this new wave of bikes that fall almost between the, the definitions of road bikes and gravel bikes. Could that be a really interesting avenue, perhaps for people who only have space for one bike, who have a budget for one new bike and can't choose between road and gravel?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, through through the the testing I've been doing through bike of the year this year, there is a definite subgenre of gravel bike that's getting quite far towards the endurance bike and then mm. there's the endurance bike is going the other way and i'm talking about bikes like you know big ticket big name bikes coming out this year on the, like the endurance side the new cannondale synapse mm. you know it's the first synapse produced that doesn't have a uci sticker so it's not been designed to race it's been designed for real riders for real people yeah so it's got big tire clearances comes with big tires it's got a bunch of mounts on it it's still very much a road bike, but it's still, it's very, very gravel capable. And doing things like integrating the lighting system into it and having like a single piggyback battery, to me, seems like something that's kind of, it, it's useful for multi-day riders because Definitely. you haven't got to be, you know, taking up real estate on your bike by clipping your lights on everything. They're built in. Mm. And then you just take a single battery off and you can, you know, you can, you can charge it remotely, et cetera. And then coming from the other side, there are bikes like New Road, which they call a gravel bike but when you ride it the geometry is very very much in that endurance space so it's very mm. it's very road ready it comes with all the fixings and fittings you'd want but it also comes with mudguard mounts proper rack mount it even has a kickstand mount so to me that sort of it's a bike that's kind of approaching mm. the mm. they do everything you could easily ride it on a sportive or a fondo it's ve- it's very good on gravel but it's also the bike you can ride to work on you know so it's it, it, yeah, that's kind of hitting that one bike for all space is, is something really, mm. really gravel
1: adjacent bikes. That's what we've been to calling them for a couple of years now. You heard it here first.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, if somebody wanted to go down that line, would you recommend uh, a single bike and then switching out tires, or are you in favor of the single bike, two wheel sets argument? What would you I personally with recommend? road bikes
1: now? particularly in the sort of endurance space, because they do have uh, such generous clearances and they can make use of wide rims. Personally, I'd be swapping tyres. If you have the budget for an additional set of wheels, fabulous, go ahead. But I think Mm. wide gravel wheel sets with suitably wide uh, road tyres give you a really, really stable, comfortable platform that you can run tubeless, run at slightly lower pressures, less risk of puncturing, so on. That's that's the kind of uh, avenue I'd be going down, particularly as well as most of these bikes in that space will have mudguard mounts as well. So they do make perfectly capable year-round road bikes too. I wouldn't be looking at a endurance road bike personally unless it had especially generous clearances because it does feel like, space better served by a gravel bike in most regards but again it's down to an assessment of the type of riding you want to do
2: absolutely for my own personal bike it was actually built off of a cyclocross fit um with cyclocross geometry because i was really into racing i remember those days when we (laughs) were young i kind of changed my mind (laughs) And so I specifically said to Adeline, who built the bike for me, my friend, I'd like really generous tyre clearances. And back then, really generous was about 40 to Mm. 45 (laughs) millimetres, which is still perfectly enough for most of my riding. But recently, I've realised that having spent a few years now on disc brakes, I find it really hard to go back onto rim brakes, which my fancy summer road bike uh, was. So I just put some slicks on my gravel bike and hey, Mm. presto. I've got a road bike again. Like I'm not going to race anymore. I'm sort of past that. I do enjoy going fast, of course, like mm-hmm. anybody does. But um, you know, there's no real disadvantage, like you said earlier, of having a bit of extra tire clearance around my slicks. And my only lifelong regret will be that I didn't ask for mudguards. <laughs> because as I age, <laughs>
1: mudguards are not a crime. I, uh, and I am the mudguard evangelist. Yeah, just. I would
2: appreciate yeah. them. <laughs> Brilliant. So I hope that gives you if you're listening to this and thinking wow i'd like to have a new bike, gravel bike or enter that space or maybe even go for a sort of very versatile bike that i can do a bit of everything on i hope that gives you lots of ideas remember that you can check out our gravel biking buyers guide on bikeradar.com as well which has loads of great information as well as some highlights from some of the best gravel bikes that we've all had the pleasure of testing Thank you very much for joining myself, Was, and Jack and do remember to subscribe to the Bike Radar podcast to make sure you get the rest of our gravel series as we've got some real gems lined up for you. Ciao for now and see you next week for our favourite gravel bike setup tips.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.